Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sales Velocity TV and Radio. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. And we're talking advanced strategies for increasing the lifetime value of your customer base today. And Aaron, good topic as always, because I think that the customer development game I see today is sort of becoming a lost art. I feel like customers, when they're acquired, they oftentimes get forgotten about, and some of these companies end up in the witness protection program, and people get really pissed off, but I think we can really help you with that here today, and we'll talk some some advanced stuff, which is good. Yeah, well, happy Friday to you. I know we're, we're officially in June. We've got, uh, I see some people, you know, starting to post stuff. Kids are coming out of school. They're on vacation. You know, mine are there for two more weeks. Yep, mine for a week. What about yours? Are, are your kids One officially week out? in Florida, and they're out of school. Yeah, we've got essentially one more two? week here as well. Yeah, and uh, going to be pretty excited. Going to be coming to your neck of the woods here in July, as you know. Going to be coming to uh, Florida. Going to be spending a little time in Miami, a little time in Orlando. Got to love the fact that Florida is wide open. Can go yes. on a, a real vacation. Yes, you can. You, you can actually live your life if you live in Florida. And yep. you have been able to live your life for some time. Now, Matt, this is a novel concept, Aaron. Here in the U.S., I know you're in the Cayman Islands. This is a novel concept here in Florida since at least last October. You were given the right as a human being and an individual and as a resident of the United States to make a choice for yourself to either go out, social distance, do business. Not You actually could choose for yourself and a politician didn't have to choose for you. It really is a novel thing. I mean, it just is. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I've been looking at hotels and rental cars and all that stuff and go figure. You could actually all... assess your own risk as a grown adult. Well, and go figure. They're all they're all booked. You know why? Because everybody's going there. Because everybody's going there. Yeah. You, can. <laughs> you know, interesting. We joke about this, but I live here. I'm a Florida resident for 15 years now. And, and I'm like I told you this. I'm moving out of Miami within the next year because the city of Miami where I live in where we're based is now like – the incoming volume, and it's North and South America, by the way, right? So it's like coming, it comes like this now, it comes North and South, is almost unbearable because the freedom that has been maintained in Florida, Texas is the other state, but it isn't a big vacation spot, right? The freedom that has been maintained by DeSantis in Florida just has people coming in in droves. And it's really tough for us residents because everything's tourism and partying and vacationing. And it's like, is this like spring break thing ever going to end? Because it's normally three weeks. It's been three months. <laughs> so we're like, well, it's if tough, you remember man. what happened after, after the Spanish flu, and we've talked about this before, it was the roaring 20s after the Spanish flu. Yeah, you, 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 yeah economy's you cranking. You people up. You know, you keep them pent up for a year or two years, and then you open the doors. Everybody's like, man, I just want to go out. I want to see people. I want to spend money. I want to put money into the economy. One of my friends was at, at one of the big malls. I can't remember the big mall, Mall of the in Americas Florida? or whatever, in Houston, Galleria Mall in Houston. Oh, in Houston. Um, last week, because obviously Texas is open. Texas, yeah, Texas is. They said the, the Louis Vuitton store had a lineup 50 yards long inside the mall. Is that right? Were they keeping like Could a certain you, amount of people in the store? Or they just couldn't get them. Oh, no. wide open. Just so many wow. people out spending money, happy to be out, money in their pockets. You know, maybe some of it's helicopter money, whatever. A little bit of both. 
but just like there's a, there's I gotta, a lot gotta, of monopoly money in there too. I got to spend some money. Yeah. I got to go out and and be a normal human. Absolute craziness in these places that are open, and it's going to happen in every state as time goes on. And it more will and more for things. sure. It's a good thing we did an episode. I think it was three four episodes ago. If you're listening, go back. I think we were the topic escapes me, but it was something along the lines of building your business in a post COVID environment. That might be the topic actually. Go back and listen to that because. This is a real interesting time where we're going to start shifting into some big, 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 big consumption modes in a lot of industries. It's yep. already happening. I mean, I think it's now happened. it's old news. It's not like, oh, the economy's opening. Like it's It's been happening. But as entrepreneurs and business owners, you want to get ahead of that, right? You want to put all the right systems in place to be able to capitalize on the spending that is happening and probably is going to continue to happen. COVID it, has it, been, it will. as bad it as COVID happen. has been, nobody wants to see even one death. I think there's been 3 million worldwide, if I'm not mistaken. It's 3 million too many, let's be real, right? But sure. at the end of the day, this COVID thing has made a tremendous amount of industries extremely, extremely rich. Love it or hate yep. it, love or hate who it was and why, but don't be naive and neglect the fact that it is happening and how do you get in the way of that money, right? That's always the most important thing as business owners is how do we somehow become a step ahead and how do we capitalize on where the money is, right? You got to go where the money is, right? I think it's, uh, uh, um, who's the guy on Shark Tank? I always reference uh, Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. There's a phrase he has about, um, he has all these funny money phrases. It'll come back to me later in the show, but he has one on, um, he has a funny one on like, getting in the way of money or not, or, or like, I don't know, put, putting yourself in the in the in the flow of money or the toll booth position or something like that. He's like, I don't do so now. You're taking me down. A, now you're taking me down a rabbit hole. Do you know how he made his fortune? I actually don't. What is? How did he make his big money? I read this book, Mister Wonderful. His name is. Uh, is he also? Uh, it's not. It's not Kevin Harrington. It's no, um, uh, O'Neill. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin O'Leary. Uh, Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. Right. So Kevin O'Leary. I want to say it was early '90s. Um, created basically an interactive video game, uh, like way before they were, you know, a real thing. And he sold it to Mattel because Mattel was looking to rebrand and get in the way of the technology of the future. And they wanted to put Barbies and interactive video games and all this kind of stuff. And he sold it to them. If I remember correctly, it was a small technology video game shop. And I believe he sold it for somewhere between five and eight billion dollars to kind of, Mattel. But it's kind of like um, who's the other guy, the Mavericks guy? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Too. Mark Cuban, Mark who Cuban actually has a house here on the island. He sold a Yahoo. He sold his like broadcasting company back in the day, pre Google yep. days, to Yahoo for about that number too, four or five billion. Broadcast.com. Yeah, because he like was ahead of the streaming. He was ahead of the streaming sports. Yeah. That's what. Great he was example into. though. Those guys are a. They're where they are today because they got to step ahead. Yep. They got to step ahead of trends. And, and, and this, I think this topic today is timely because you're going to see this huge consumption mode go into place over the next couple of years because people have more money in their pocket. They're tired of being inside. Many people have had a, a phenomenal outcome from their business during COVID in addition mm-hmm. to people that were obviously challenged by it. But it's the trickle down effect, right? When more money gets spent, more people have more, more money and, and so on and so forth. And if you're a business owner and people are in buying mode, right, it actually becomes easier to make sales so we get lazy, right? Yeah. And what I want to talk about right now is not being lazy. I want to talk about the maximizing the dollar value of your customer. And, and what we see often is that everybody's so 
focused on the new customer, the today's order. They're not thinking about what we call lifetime value, mm-hmm. right? Or what They're, we call the tail effect, right? Exactly, right? And it's not a, not a term we made up. It's, it's, it's a very common you know, sales and marketing term, lifetime value. But a lot of people put very little focus on it. So what is lifetime value? Lifetime value is the average total amount of what a customer spends with you for the lifetime of them being a customer, okay? How you could define that, because a lot of people are like, well, I don't know how to determine my LTV. Is you look at all the customers that you've had in the lifetime of your business, right? And you take the total amount of revenue that you've generated in the lifetime of your, your business, and you divide the total amount of revenue by the amount of customers you've had. It's a very simple equation, and you're gonna find out that your average customer has spent $152 with you, $2,572, $10,682. It's a simple division equation, right? So you wanna be able to first define what your lifetime value is, and then you wanna set a goal on how to increase that lifetime value. Because we, we talk about this a lot, it's 10 times easier to make a sale to a customer that you already have than it is to go acquire a cold one, right? Significantly less, you know, uh, revenue has to be put out to do that because you don't have additional marketing expenses or the additional marketing expenses you have are significantly less than acquiring a cold customer, right? But yet, most business owners spend the majority of their time acquiring, 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 acquiring. They're like addicted to acquiring. Not a bad thing to be addicted to, but Gotta this, have whole, this whole thought around the lifetime value and the development of the customer oftentimes gets the least amount of emphasis. Very, very often. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with business owners and I've said, what is your LTV? And they're like, we don't know. Okay. If you don't know, that tells me exactly how much emphasis you're putting on it, which is which zero, is <laughs> yeah. which is not yeah. right. And it's free money because there's things you can put in a place immediately that will increase the LTV. So you and I, we look at lifetime value broken up into essentially three categories, right? We've got the first order and someone's going to say, no, you said it's not about the first order. It's about everything. Hold that thought. You've got the first order. Then you've got the experience. Then you've got the future orders, right? It's three different tranches. Mm -hmm. So the first one is your first order. Now, what, where we see this a ton, I especially see it with our e-commerce clients, you know, people who are selling clothes and shoes and nutritionals and widgets and whatever is the very first question I ask them is, what is your average order value? And what I mean by average order value is the total amount somebody's spending on that initial purchase. The first, the first transaction. The first transaction, right? So they'll say to me, well, my, my, uh, my average order value of my first customer is uh, $72. Okay, great. So then I ask them the next question. Great. How many upsells or downsells do you have in your sales process? How deep does the sales process go? Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, they say to me, well, you know, we don't really have any upsells or downsells. We've got, uh, you know, maybe we've got some bundling or, or, or you know, we bundle some Or maybe things later on we offer something, right? You know, yeah. and it blows my mind because blows when somebody's in that buying journey, mm-hmm. right, they've made the decision to buy. There's never a, a better or easier time to sell to them than at that moment. Right? You know that statistically, Aaron, this has been tested for decades. Oh, statistically, absolutely. if you offer a buyer something as an add-on or an add-to or an upgrade while they're making the initial purchase, the average uptake is between 15 and 30%. Human Agreed. nature. And it depends. Amazon. It depends on the price Every point. time I go to Amazon, 
Hey, yep. they, people who bought this, bought this. Would you like this too? Sure, I'll take it maybe for 20% off because normally it's not 20%. Like it's just common sense and so few businesses do it. It's funny. <laughs> I, I, don't want, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's funny. Nope. I oftentimes hear people actually getting mad at us as a company for offering. <laughs> Dude, this is how you know that this person should be an employee of like Walmart. You should not be in business. <laughs> they actually are upset that you offer them something else in your funnel. I can't believe you would offer me something else and upsell me. And we're like, is, is this like, is this, is this real life? Like it, it, it does happen. It does. And believe it or not, it happens. People I've are had, actually upset by an upsell. You should talk to Amazon. And conversely, yeah. how you just talked about this, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. where you went and spent all this time and all this research and you got some service done, massage or something, you had something done. It might've been the acupuncture conversation, right? Might've been the acupuncture. Yeah. Yeah. And you were angry that they didn't offer you more stuff. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. I was just, I look at the, cause I'm looking, but again, I'm, we're looking at it from a different light, right? We consult businesses on sales and marketing, right? So we're always looking for the best sales and marketing examples. The average person doesn't think anything of it. I was like, when are they going to take advantage of the fact that I'm in here right now? And like you said, Aaron, this is the best time to give me other options and increase my customer, increase me as a customer, right? Increase my right. value to the clinic. And I'm going to give you the best example that we could possibly give because every single person on the planet will know this upsell. Can you think of it before I even say it? All right. I want to play the game. So you're saying this is common to all of us anywhere, anywhere in the world? Every single person on the planet has been offered this upsell from this company, whether you knew it was an upsell or not. Is this a specific company or an industry? Yep. This is a specific company. I'll even give you one more hint. It's in the food and beverage industry. Oh, I was going to go with Apple on because they're great at it with, you know, the iPhones and upgrading the, the gigabytes. And, but you said it's in the food industry. Oh, it's food McDonald's. Industry. You want to supersize ah, that? Ah, right? You smart boy. Right? Yep. Do you want to supersize that? I forgot about that, Aaron. Do, do you, you want, want, do you want to supersize that? What does that mean? Oh, that means that you can get for an extra $2, you can get a large Coke and a large fry instead of the, is that something? I don't eat at McDonald's, so I don't know, but this is neat. This, this was going on in the seventies. Absolutely. Eighties maybe. Right? That's a great yeah. example. And that's hilarious because that's probably, I couldn't even imagine the money that the supersized question made them over the years. Well, and most people don't know that McDonald's isn't in the business of selling hamburgers. Right. McDonald's is in the business of selling soda because meat. So in other words, they're in the business of getting people really sick and diabetic. Well, <laughs> also true. <laughs> I've eaten a fair amount of McDonald's in my time. So, yeah, you know, right. I, I, I'm not going to judge. But, I am. you know, you look at their <laughs> cheeseburgers and stuff like that and it's like they got these dollar menus. Yeah, yeah. And you think to yourself, how can they be selling a cheeseburger for a dollar, right? But they don't – that's not their business model because a soda – let's just say that the average soda costs a dollar fifty. Right. Okay? The cheeseburger might cost them 90, 95 cents to make the cheeseburger. Right. And they're selling it for a buck. So they're, I mean, they might even be upside down on it. Right. But a dollar fifty soda costs them eight cents. So they want you to come in and buy French fries and sodas, specifically mostly sodas is what they're, what is, is what drives Use their business. Up. Right. If they can upsell you to a bigger version of the fries and the soda. Oh my goodness. Right. Originally it was, do you want fries with that? That was the upsell. And then 
they tested and tested and they found that would you like to supersize it was even more profitable for them. Was the supersize thing just a bigger amount or was it different food? I don't even it's know. It's just what. a bigger amount. It's okay. just more fries, more Coke. But the reality is, is for them to increase the size of the fries or increase the size of the Coke cost them pennies. So maybe but for them it was like for an dollars. extra $2, you can get a large Coke and a large fry. You've already ordered a small and a small. Exactly. Oh, okay. So for an there extra $2, dollars, I'll take the, the, the mass amount. Yeah, right. sure. Right. There is the, the, the best example. Like people who are like, what's an upsell? That's the upsell. Yeah. Right. Everybody's had that offered to them in their entire life. And, and that's how you immediately it. increase customer value. So that, that's not even over time. That's right at the inception of that first sale, which is really critical right. because you can change an entire business and you can change the economics of an entire business by simply getting a bigger transaction from the same person right out of the gates versus waiting. And it's Absolutely. money now, and, not and, money in two weeks or two months, right? That's important. Oh, it's in, I'm in the buying motion. I'm hungry right now. Would you like more food? Yes. Okay, great. Right? Like I'm in the buying process. That's the best time to pitch somebody. And then you'll see them rotate sometimes where they'll – ever. I mean you don't go to McDonald's, but you know, once every – You're asking the wrong guy anything about McDonald's. Wrong guy, right? But about once every six months, they'll go through like a little trend of like, would you like to add an apple pie to that meal today? Right. I don't know what their conversion is, but I bet you it's one out of 10 people. Well, listen, Aaron, right? you know, you know, the McDonald's thing is fine, but how many times, I don't know how often you eat out. I, I eat out. I like to go to really nice a restaurants. Lot. You do. Okay. So I like to yeah. eat out and I don't eat out at fast food places. I eat out at restaurants. We sit down, we have wine, we eat, and we do that probably two days a week, right? Maybe three days a week, depending on the week. Right. And I'm begging these restaurants. Like, why wouldn't they supersize something? Like, why wouldn't the waiters be trained in a business to go like this? So that you place the order and they go, Listen, just so you know, tonight we're running a special where you can buy a bottle of wine and get 20% off if it's a red or you can do – you can add a, a, an entree for – your third entree is 50% off. Like they don't do any of this stuff. It's just what you see on the menu, take the order, go. And would you, like, would you like to, add a, a, would you like to oh. add a lobster tail to your steak dinner tonight? Right? It's that lobster tail that costs them six and they're selling it for 15. They don't even right? ask. You're already in the, in the buying process, right? I think a restaurant, not to to get off topic, I think a restaurant should have a deal a day. Like once in a while, I'll see like there's a restaurant, my favorite Italian restaurant in Miami. Every Tuesday they do, I think it's 50% off a bottle of wine on Tuesdays. Great promotion. But why not offer something every day? So today, so this way they can have that conversation in the restaurant every single Tuesday. They can say, just so you know, Tuesday is our day where if you buy a bottle of wine, it's 50% off any wine on the menu. Wednesday is our day where if you order an appetizer, we're given 20% off any of our appetizers. So maybe you want to add an appetizer or two this day, right? I think that restaurants do that. Where I think they're missing the boat is in what we're talking about, which is the upsell after somebody's already made a decision to purchase, right? And I'll give you a great example of a restaurant that did this phenomenally well. Remember the restaurant that you and I had dinner at on New Year's Eve in the glass box in in Vancouver, Vancouver. right? Probably 15 years ago, maybe 12. That restaurant realized that they had such a large wine cellar that when you ordered a bottle of wine or or most importantly, a glass of wine, what they did is they took super, super high end wines and they put them on their menu on their menu per glass. Like we're talking about like Chateau Neuf de Pop 1928, you know, bottles of wine that would usually be five, ten thousand dollars a bottle. They would come to you and if you said, oh, I'm going to order some wine, but what they say. We're not sure if you're aware, but you can actually order 
this amazing $10,000 bottle of wine by the glass. We've got these five open this week because somebody would have started the chain reaction and then had one or two. So then they had two or three glasses left. They had this great system of pulling the air out and blah, 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 blah. And I'd go from ordering a, a an eight to $10 glass of wine to saying, oh, hold on a second. I can have this wine I've never tried in my entire life and I don't have to drop five grand for the bottle. I could drop $1,000 to try one glass. I'm going to splurge. I'm going to do it tonight. What did that just do to the average order value of me by just just giving me that option? Just, just telling me about it, right? I took it almost every time we were there. Do you remember being surrounded in wine? Yes. How cool was that? Like we were fantastic. inside of a wine... That glass thing, I'll never forget it. Like it's in, in that experience is embedded in my head as one of the best eating experiences of my life. I'm sure it is for you too. We were in it a is. glass, oh. we were in a big glass container surrounded by wine. We were like right. in and the, the wine And then the cellar. restaurant was around it. Everyone else was sitting outside of the glass box. <laughs> it was like, who are these people in the capsule? And he, like, right? like 12 of us, you, you had to reserve it. Like knowing your wife, she probably reserved it like in 1922, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to get in there it was in 2007. Way in advance. <laughs> It was New Year's right? Eve, so yeah. it was way in advance. Exactly. Yeah. So sure. let's stick to, to, to where – so th we're talking about first order right now. You got to have upsells. You got to have downsells. Andrew, a lot of people are like, well, I don't have an e-commerce business. I have a consulting business or I have a service business. Okay, great. Have a premium version then mm -hmm. of whatever your basic version is. Oh, you're going to get a car wash today? Well, how about our premium car wash where we'll wax it and we'll do this and that. Oh, yeah, I'm already here. I've already bought. I'll take the premium version, right? How about simple things like sales teams following up, right? Offering additional products and services, thanking them for their order, offering, having that process dialed in on day one, day two. How about something, Andrew, as simple as abandoned cart email series, right? Somebody goes to your Store, your online Order store, form. your business, right? And they, they, they get busy. They abandon the cart. Automatic email series goes out. Hey, we saw that you were on the cart. You didn't make the purchase. We want to give you an incentive to keep following through. We're going to offer you an additional 5% if you do it in the first 24 hours. I used to make so much money in my e-commerce store from the abandoned cart automatic email series. It was insane, right? And there's apps that can automate all of this, right? So look at what your average order value is on the first product now and ask yourself, what upsells, downsells, premium versions, can I put an abandoned cart in? Can I put a sales team behind it to offer them? What can you do to increase your average order value on that first transaction, right? I guarantee you there's three, four things we've talked about right now that you no can put No doubt about it. And this is pillar number one, is what can we do? Pillar number one. What can we do at the onset? Absolutely. Because I, 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 almost every client I have, we increase their front end or average, average order value by 20 to 30%. Right away. And that's because it's a money. second set of eyes looking at it. A lot of times you're too close to it. You can't see it. And it's a second set of eyes that goes, what about this, this, and this? You go, ah, that's it. Right? Right. Absolutely. So pillar number two is experience. And I know this is a big one for you. You harp on it all the time and rightfully so, which is, okay, now that I've bought, I finished buying the initial stuff. What happens now? See, you've, you've already created the transaction. How do you seed it in the mind of your customer that it's not just transactional, it's relational, relationship driven. I want you to be a fan. I want you to know that I care about your transaction with my company so that you come back and you buy 
more and more and more in the future. We've talked about Ezra Firestone, who's a friend of mine who's a great example of this. First year he had his story, he had like 10% of his total sales were return customers. By the third or fourth year, it was like 60% were return customers. That's free customers. There's no marketing there. They're, they're coming back because they loved the experience, right? And the experience comes down to what you do and what you say after that transaction. For us, it's onboarding, it's follow-up, it's outbound call, it's SMS, it's email, it's survey, it's sales team follow-up. It, I mean, there's so many different elements to this experience. I, I want, I, I don't want to keep talking. I want to sort of pass it back to you because this is a big part of what you believe in direct mail. I mean, oh my goodness, there's so many things. Yeah. And it's touch points, right? Somebody, somebody also wants to know that when they've bought something, they aren't forgotten about when they bought something, they want to know that there's resources, support, help, advice. That's a big piece of the puzzle is because a lot of times, and it really depends on how sophisticated your sale is, right? If you have a really high ticket sale, versus a really low ticket, small end transaction sale. It might be a little bit of a different customer experience, but we did it. We did an episode on customer development strategies, which is, you know, somewhat there's some, there, there's a little bit of overlap here. Lifetime value goes into that conversation as well. And if you can figure out how to engineer a good experience, then what happens is they want to know what else do you offer? I feel good about what I bought already. You made me feel good. I like the product. But now I like the way you handle me within the product. So now I'm open-minded more so than ever to what's next or what's different or what could be a compliment to what I bought. But if you bring a customer in and you just kind of keep it like everybody else and maybe just send out an email that says, hey, welcome to the whatever service. We think you'll love it. And you just, you're on to the next one. Then they're like, they kind of feel forgotten and a little bit neglected. And they're not as open-minded to buying something else. Therefore, your customer value path becomes a little convoluted, right? You don't have that, you don't have that open path that, that well, and, and they don't do become raving right. fans, right? They don't become people that are telling all their other friends how amazing their experience was. And anytime their friend says, well, I need an XYZ, they're like, oh, I got my XYZ over here and it was amazing. And, and, and an example that I, of somebody, of a, of a company that I think does an amazing job of this, and I'm sure you have a whole bunch in your head, is the Ritz-Carlton. Of course, yeah. Right. I, I've, I've st stayed at the Ritz-Carlton a million times. I lived at the Ritz-Carlton for a little while. And every time I go to the Ritz-Carlton, I get to the front door, big smile, welcome. Hello, sir. How are you today? The, 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 the gratitude of me being there makes me feel so special. The people at the front, they're telling me about the services. Yep. They're asking me all these questions if I need any of these things. They're super friendly. They're super, you know, switched on, you know. You go to the, you go into the rooms, they're always dialed. They've always left a gift for you. You know, they've all, they're always creating these experiences. Like tonight we're going to do this family barbecue on the beach with these fire twirlers and blah, 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 blah. Like it, it, if you need anything, they're there in two seconds. I remember when we lived there. I remember we, we needed like a, we were making a recipe or something. It, and, and they're we like didn't, over we didn't, the top. Oh, we didn't have an onion. And so my wife called down to the concierge and said, I, I know this is a big pain, but like I need an onion for like what we're cooking. Do you think I could buy an onion from the, the kitchen or something like that? N no problem, Mrs. Parkinson. We'll be right up. They came up with six different types of onions. <laughs> Not one, six. Would you like the red onion? Would you like the pearl they onion? Would you are like are over the top with service. You're right. Over and, and, the top. I can't refer enough people to them Why because not? of the Why experience not? that I've had. I'm like, if you want to make sure everything's dialed, that's where you go.
right? You're gonna be taken care of. And, and so it's, I keep coming back, I keep referring people. You know, it's amazing. They're the experience that they give people. And I know you feel that way about Apple. I'm gonna, listen, Apple. I'm gonna give a shameless plug example right now for our company, Pipeline Pro, that powers this show. When a new buyer comes in to activate our software, the very first thing that happens within 24 hours is they get a welcome phone call. Like we have a team that just makes a call and says, hey, we just wanted to welcome you aboard. Great decision activating the software. And we want to make sure you're aware of the fact, here's number two, that you get a 20-minute one-on-one fast start session with a business advisor to learn about you and your business and also help you understand the software a little bit and figure out where is the best, where can you maximize the software the best for your insurance business or your restaurant, let's say, right? That's number yep. two. So they can book that session, complimentary, right? Number three is they get moved into a private members area where there's some fast start guides and videos to walk them through the tech because it's tech. And then number four, I think I'm on four and there's more than four. They get into a private Facebook group where they can interact with other yep. members, right? And then number five, inside of our dashboard, we have this huge help library with all these video tutorials, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, little bite-sized videos on every single component of the software along with live chat technicians for 10 hours a day who can answer. You got to put the number six there. That's a number six. That's at six. Okay. I, I lo- Listen, I'm losing count because like you said, this is something that's big for me. And I've engineered all this, as you know, inside of our company so that somebody comes in and they go, oh my God, I can get all that help with real people, by the way, in real services and real tutorials and real live chat, all within like a day or two. So what we get all the time, and I love this, this makes it all worth it, is we get emails, honestly, dozens a day, Aaron, of people going, you guys are the best. I I bought so much software before, but when I got under your system, I was so well taken care of that I just want to become an affiliate and refer this to everybody. And I'm like, win, 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 win. That's how we do two things. We we keep that customer for a long time, number one. Secondly, we will have a much better chance to increase that customer's value over time because they will go, what else can you guys do to help? Do you have done for you services? Do you have traffic services? Can you build a funnel for me? This was such a good experience coming in. I can only imagine what the other stuff that you do will be like as well. So do you see what we've engineered? That was not, that was not an accident, right? We're talking about increasing customer value. We have specifically engineered that experience, that wow factor the second a buyer comes in the door. That's really and, and, and important. I don't care that, what business it, you're in, you can do that, by the way. And, and, and you can do that in any business. And because we've done that and we've built that credibility and that trust and that fan base, yeah. um, our, our lifetime value, because I watch our lifetime value every day, just goes up and up and up and up and up. Exactly. Right? Because people are happy. They want to they wanna buy more things. They want to have more experience with our company. And and you know what's funny it about works. that, Aaron? You would think that what I just went through right there, like we would be done. But yet we as a team, we have a great team. We are still looking for ways to make it better. Well, and we're going to talk about that in a second because it's one of the points in the next tranche, in the last tranche of what I'm going to cover today, which is orders in the future, yep. right? And you kind of touched on a little bit. So there's three tranches, right? There's the initial order, there's the experience, and then there's the orders in the future, mm-hmm. Right. How do you ensure you have a steady flow of orders in the future? And because you've engineered a lot of this process, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. One, connecting people with humans, diagnosing their problems, giving them solutions and opportunities to buy other products and services that they might also be fans of. Ongoing email marketing campaigns, 
keeping them up to speed with your product launches, with information about your industry, with customer success stories and reviews. It's that constant communication stream, right? SMS, if that's part of your process, mm -hmm. right? Because SMS is huge. You know, it's, it's one of the highest uh, converting follow-up mechanisms on the planet because everybody checks their text, right? So yeah. a well-placed promotion via SMS, uh, I, I know a bunch of e-commerce people, is, is phenomenal. Uh, how about direct mail? I mean, you talked about your one of your clients and how amazing their direct mail system is. And I'm going to leave the credit card one for, for later, but this orders in the future ongoing process. Maybe you could talk through a little bit of, you know, what you see done well and what you see fail. So orders in the future, when you say orders in the future, you're talking about how to stimulate future orders? Is that kind of where Absolutely, you want to go right? So let's just say that that somebody who's ordering on the front, they purchase everything they're going to purchase in the first, you know, 48 or 72 hours, and we're going to count that as the first transaction. But ideally, you want that client purchasing stuff for the next two to five years, right? How do you put things in place to ensure sales happen for the next two to five years? Yeah, I mean, it's follow-up is what it is. It's communication, it's follow-up, it's systemization. It's also people, like you said. I mean, it's a big people play, right? If you don't have real people reaching out, with all this tech that we have today, sometimes it gets in the way, right? Sometimes people lean on tech too much. I think tech is like, it's a double-edged sword. You need it for some automation and some leverage, but if you don't institute real people to create real relationships and make real outbound calls and connect with people and really get on the phone with people or get on a Zoom with people, it's going to be hard to really get to a big lifetime value. You won't get to a huge lifetime value just sitting behind automated emails and automated text messages. That's a piece Although of it. they will help. They will, help, they will help tremendously. Help significantly. Significantly. In fact, you can't do one without the other, right? You need automation and you also need people. So if you can merge automation with people, new school versus old school, pre-internet versus post-internet, and you can engineer a process where, I don't know, maybe when a customer is with us for 30 days, we then move them into a campaign that talks about adding this product. When a customer is with us for 90 days, maybe we move the conversation and a lot of this can be done by email, text, and a follow-up call. I think as an example I can give you right now is I think Christina, who does our welcome calls, I think she is teed up at a 30 and a 60 day to make an outbound call to offer someone something else, right? There's some stuff we're working on and some massaging and tweaking we're doing right now. But those are little, those are little pivot points, right? So where in your process, where in your business is there a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day mark where you can go to that person, check in, offer them something else, or move them to maybe a, a check-in session that then can get moved to check-in, see what's going on, but then say, hey, at this stage in the sales cycle, we see our best customers go do this maybe, right? And maybe yeah, offer or, them. Or even something as simple as, and I, I see a lot of people overlook this, how many, how many uh, national holidays are there per year? 12, 13? Something like that. Something like that, right? Even just creating a little promotion around those holidays as the bare minimum, right? Yep. Hey, happy Memorial Day, you know, in, in, in honor of our fallen troops and blah, 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 we're going to give $1,000 away to the XYZ charity um, or, or, or we're going to do a promotion. We're going to give 10% off on anything in our, our catalog today and um, for every order, we're going to give $5 to the Wounded Warriors Foundation or, or, or whatever. You, you put just a promotion about something relevant out via email, via SMS, via ad, via whatever, to your current client base, 
people buy. They buy every time, right? And that instantly increases your lifetime value. That's like the bare minimum, like laziest thing you could do, and it would instantly add money to your bottom line. Yeah, and it gives you uh, it gives you a date to work with. The holidays are great yeah. because they give you they give you a date and a deadline to work with. But you're right. That's, so few business owners stimulate the back end. They don't stimulate enough repeat buying activity. And when you don't stimulate enough repeat buying activity, eventually your margins start to get condensed because you and I both know that it becomes harder and harder to acquire new customers. Today, it's going to cost more and more over time. It's just inflation. Media is inflation, right? It's going to cost more and more money to acquire a customer over time until that media source sort of fizzles out and maybe it becomes not as relevant. But if you want to be in the most relevant places, it's going to be pretty tough and pretty expensive to acquire a customer. So if you're not doing all you can on the back end with the customer and the experience and the development and increasing customer value, you are kind of held hostage to just acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. And you want to be like a very balanced portfolio. We're acquiring customers and we're right on top of our cost per acquisition and we're managing our customers really well and we're right on top of our lifetime value. And that's that, that right there, success leaves clues. The best businesses in the world know those two things more than anything else. What is it costing us to get a customer? Let's keep an eye on that number. And what is our lifetime value? What's our average value? order value? Right, yeah. What's our average order value on the first kind transaction? Of a, a subtopic of, yeah. And what is our lifetime value? And what are we going to put in place to, to decrease our cost for acquisition, increase our average order value, and increase our lifetime value? Right? When you start focusing on that kind of math man, would you be shocked the amount of money you find? And I would say, listen, if this somehow sounds a little bit like a foreign language to you, don't get stuck in the weeds. A lot of times people hear this and they're like, well, what about the tech and how do I do this? And I'm not, I'm worried about my, you know, am I using the right email provider or the right CRM or I don't have a team? Like, like stop, right? Like stop getting buried in the tactics and just think about the strategy we just laid out, right? If you keep it that simple and you focus on those two, three things you mentioned, right? You keep it on those three things, and you get a razor sharp strategy, forget the tactics, forget the tech, a strategy around those three things. Believe me, the tech is easy. Somebody can be hired to implement the tech. Somebody can be hired to find the systems. Don't get bogged down in the weeds with the tactics. Get bogged down in the weeds with the strategy. The tactics will follow. And businesses that struggle the most and people that don't make a lot of money and complain about what time the sun rises and this person screwed me over and this and that, they're stuck in the weeds. They're stuck on tactics. They're getting dragged down with tech. They're getting dragged down with social media. And they don't have time for strategy. And that's that's exactly the opposite of what you're going to need to do to be successful in any business. Agreed 100%. I don't think we could leave it with anything smarter than that today. So Thank on you, that note, let's wrap the show. Where can people find us? Let's wrap the show. www.salesvelocitytv.com. Go there now. All past episodes. I think there's probably 30 some odd episodes in the can at this point. Um, you can get the video over there. You can download it on Google or, or, or Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever all those cool sources are that our people put it up. And uh, feel free to leave a review. Join us every Friday live if you are the kind of person that likes to catch the show live. We're at live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on the public Facebook Sales Velocity TV page. We will see you next week in the next episode of Sales Velocity TV and radio, and it will be a good one. I think we're going off track, off path next week, Aaron. Um, I like to veer off the sales topic once in a while and kind of have some rough and raw conversations just about business as a whole because at the end of the day, sales, it all comes back to sales. So a lot of times we're talking about topics on our show that they might not be sales specific, but they're absolutely business growth and scaling specific. And that I think is an important thing. 
I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. Have a great one. We'll see you in the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.